0: All right, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Hopefully everybody woke up to warm houses this morning. I know that it's always trying on the furnace when the temperature drops like this, Uh, but it is great to be here with you today, and hopefully you'll be warmed by this community. So there's a famous quote that most of you have probably heard at some point that says, Everybody has a plan until they get hit. That quote is from Mike Tyson, the famous heavyweight boxer. He said it many years ago prior to a big fight. A Prussian general who had been dead over 100 years at the time of Tyson's quote had stated a similar principle in his writing. Helmuth von Molke the Elder, is credited with saying, No plan of operations extends with any certainty beyond the first contact with the main hostile force. If I didn't know better, I would think Tyson plagiarized von Mulke, but I don't think Tyson was sitting around reading 19th century military manuals in his free time. He had other distractions to keep him occupied. Both quotes highlight a universal truth. Whether you are boxing, fighting a battle, or just living life, the plans you make have to respond to the adversity of this world they inevitably conflict with. You have to change plans, redouble your efforts, or evaluate if a different approach might be better. Otherwise, you'll just keep on getting punched in the face by life. Likewise, faith must respond to unexpected adversity in this world. Faith is an expectation for the future of plan, Based on what we believe to be true. When this world hits back at our faith, when we take blows, we reevaluate our beliefs. Our faith is not supposed to be a stagnant thing, beliefs must deepen, shift, and sometimes we realize we were just wrong. One of the biggest assaults that people experience in their faith is the injustice of this world. Injustices expose weak points in our faith just as surely as a well placed punch upsets a boxer's plans. Recently, I have experienced this myself. Multiple unjust events have happened in the past year that have forced me to reevaluate my beliefs. This world is an unfair place. There are examples of this unfairness that make the national news and others that are more personal to me. The more personal the injustice is, the more I am forced to reconsider my faith conviction. Just staying the same is not an option. My beliefs about how Jesus interacts with injustice need to continue to mature. Today's text is a great one for growing in our knowledge of how Jesus responds to injustice. I, will believe, I believe it will be helpful to anyone whose own experience has ever led them to ask why Jesus doesn't eradicate injustice as Lord. If that is not a question that is relevant to you today, it definitely will be at some point in the future. Experiencing injustice is an inevitable aspect of living in this world. So if you would please turn with me to Luke chapter 22. We will read verses 63 through 71. That's also uh, in your bulletin there. But if you're using the Pew Bible, you can turn to page 830. That's Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 63. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of Man? Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves. From his own lips. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. When I read these verses, I get angry at what is happening. I want Jesus to rise up against injustice. Nothing about this situation is okay. Jesus allows himself to be treated in this way. I have a similar response when I am faced with injustice in this world today. Jesus, why don't you make it stop? He knows more than I know. He is just as much the Son of God as he is victimized by injustice in these verses, as he continues to be today when injustice happens. Jesus is not caught off guard by injustice. He has a plan to overcome it. Jesus' response to injustice in this world is surprising to most people. He reacts in ways that I would not. Let's read through verses 63 through 65 again. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. Jesus allows this to happen. He could have called down an army of angels. He could have caused his abusers' arms to fall off or blinded them. Instead, he does what he told everyone else to do. He turns the other cheek. I would have had a hard time responding to, to this injustice in the same way Jesus did, I am more of an an eye-for-an-eye guy. If people are nice to me, then yes, I am nice to them. If people are rude to me, my inclination is to respond with an equal level of rudeness that sometimes gets me in trouble when I'm driving in traffic. I actually don't like to respond equally. I like to escalate it slightly. They have to know, they need to know where the boundaries are. Back when I was in seminary, I often played Ultimate Frisbee just outside the apartment building where I lived at Gordon Conwell. For those of you that are not familiar, Ultimate Frisbee is this game. Obviously, you play it with a frisbee. It's kind of like football, kind of like soccer. It's lots of fun. And me and a group of guys would get together on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we would play. Most of us were seminary students training to be pastors. And often during the course of the game, someone would feel something unjust had happened. They would respond with an injustice of their own that was supposed to balance the scales. The situation would escalate pretty frequently there would be arguments, several times we almost came to blows. I would like to be able to say I was always a calming presence. Sometimes I was, but there were several times I was not. While men that are training to be pastors, fighting over a Frisbee game, seems ridiculous, it certainly was ridiculous, our frustrations were rooted In a sense of justice, this sense of justice, a deep-rooted conviction in right and wrong, is not a bad thing. C.S. Lewis famously argues in the book Mere Christianity, this is one of the primary reasons to believe in the existence of God. Injustice is bad. There should be consequences. In the verses we read today, Jesus does nothing to stop the injustice that is happening to him. The scripture wants us to ask, why? If I had the power Jesus had, the dudes punching me in the face while I was blindfolded would not walk away from the encounter. They would come home from work that day having to explain to their wives why their arms are now where their legs used to be, and vice versa. They deserve to be held accountable somehow. Jesus' lack of response to the injustice reported in these verses is a problem we can engage with dispassionately. The injustices that continue to play out in our own lives are not so easy to accept. Jesus being harassed and physically abused, that happens a long time ago. I've heard missionaries talk about sharing these verses with tribespeople for the first time. And the tribespeople are horrified both by the captor's actions, but also by Jesus' inaction. It is easy to be philosophical when it happened a long time ago, when we are not the ones getting punched in the face while blindfolded. It is a lot harder to accept injustice when you experience it firsthand in the present. If Jesus wants to allow himself to be victimized, I guess that's up to him. What am I supposed to think when I am the one who is the victim? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of this world. This means I believe he has the ability to intervene in this world at his discretion. Yet I see the injustice of this world. I experience it myself. I can't help but ask why Jesus doesn't act. Injustice is a very real challenge to my understanding of Jesus Christ. I am not unique in this. Throughout the Bible, people cry out to know why God and Jesus don't act to bring about justice. Sometimes we can see reasons that make sense, struggles reveal sin. A greater good is accomplished through pain. Seeking knowledge of why Jesus acts or doesn't is not a problem. We should want to grow in our knowledge. What is a problem? What is a problem is when my desire for knowledge makes a shift And I begin demanding answers. When this happens, what I'm really asking when I ask why Jesus doesn't act to deal with injustice is why he doesn't act in the way I think he should. Such a question places me in a position of authority over the Son of God. Jesus doesn't report to me my surprise at what i perceive to be his inaction in response to injustice doesn't mean he owes me an explanation jesus has knowledge that we do not have access to in response to the chief priests and scribes demands in luke that they be informed if jesus thinks he's the messiah jesus says If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus knows how his persecutors will respond to him. That is not just Jesus being a really good guesser. One of the things I like to do to entertain myself. With my wife Anne, is guess how she will respond to certain situations. I'm a pretty good guesser, if I do say so myself. I should be. I have been studying her since around 2003. In addition to being entertaining at times, knowing how she will respond makes my life better. Even with my extensive knowledge of Anne, I frequently guess wrongly. My understanding falls short. Jesus' understanding does not fall short. He is not just a good guesser. He has been studying us since our inception. Jesus can see the hearts of these men. He knows all the counterfactuals. How people will respond to whatever situation arises. Jesus' actions in response to the religious leaders in this moment are based on foreknowledge. He can see how his actions in this moment, the words he speaks, will not change the outcome. They have already decided what they are going to do, no question will modify their course. Debate exists about how much Jesus was able to know in his earthly life. To what extent did his humanity limit his divinity? Clearly, he had a special knowledge of what was going on in people's hearts, as we see here. Whatever limitations Jesus might have had, while he walked the earth, no longer apply today. He is the Lord of all creation, who searches minds and hearts. His knowledge is absolute. Jesus uses the knowledge he has to move history forward. Somehow the injustice of the moment fits in with the grand plan Jesus is in the process of bringing about. Scripture talks about the cross as being the ultimate injustice. Jesus had done nothing wrong. He had spoken truth. He had healed. The trial he undergoes in these verses is a farce. There is no justice in it. Those in authority are using their power to prop themselves up. The religious leaders think They are using the cross to destroy Jesus. They are actually enthroning him. Jesus knows what their actions will lead to. From now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. It's a bold thing to say when your face is still bleeding from the punches. He took a few minutes before. The injustice being perpetrated against Jesus fits into his plan. The cross is vile. The cross is an abomination. The cross is where redemption was accomplished. Where sin was defeated. Jesus' use of the ultimate injustice of the cross to accomplish good doesn't mean there is no injustice. These men are still responsible for their actions. Jesus will be the one to hold them responsible from his throne of judgment. The cross is the ultimate example of the Lord using injustice to accomplish his purposes. It is not a one-time event. Jesus Christ continues to apply his foreknowledge to keep history moving in the direction it needs to move for his purposes to be accomplished. We often cannot tell what Jesus is up to. It's not wrong to ask. We must remember our limitations. The Lord knows plenty, we do not. His knowledge is certain. His purposes are good. The injustice that continues to occur in this world will be punished. So often, those who commit injustice in our world seem to escape consequences. The rich and powerful go unpunished. Knowing who is even responsible for injustice is often impossible. A day of reckoning will come. Jesus will use his knowledge to judge rightly. In Revelation, John describes Jesus' final judgment. He writes, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. While we wait on that future judgment, when justice will prevail, Jesus is still Lord. In these verses, Jesus appears to be the victim of injustice. It's hard to imagine how things could get much worse. He is alone. Judas has betrayed him. Peter ran away after denying him three times. He's not being treated well. The guards are punching him. Those who are judging him are haranguing him with questions. They have no desire for truth. Notice Jesus doesn't seem particularly worried. Listen to how he is talking. From now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. In response to the question of whether he is the Son of God, he replies, You say that I am. There is no panic in his voice. Jesus is in control despite all evidence to the contrary. The people perpetuating injustice think they are the ones that are in control. They are not. Even when injustice appears to have the upper hand, it does not. Jesus is still Lord, seated at the right hand of God. His reign has not been overturned. Many people feel that things in our world are very bad at the present. Everyone has their own injustices they are concerned about. We ask, where is Christ in all of this? What Christians must remember is that no matter how bad things appear, Jesus is still bringing about his good purposes. We may not see how, in the moment, injustice may appear to have the upper hand. In the lead-up to the cross, Jesus' lordship was a hard thing to believe. We can take comfort in knowing that however bad things appear, Jesus will certainly overcome. Seeing how takes time. The injustices of this world may never make sense to us this side of heaven. Eventually, we will see why Jesus allowed things to play out in the way they did. In the meantime, we have to trust that what Jesus did before, he will do again. Out of this terrible situation, that God, even worse on the cross, he brought redemption. Death and injustice were dealt with. Through the cross, he ascended to his throne. However terrible the injustices of the present may appear to us, Jesus has already overcome more. I began this sermon by referencing a Mike Tyson quote. Everyone has a plan. Until they get hit. Jesus knew the hit was coming before it came. He decided not to avoid it, He incorporated it into His plan. The injustices of this world do not take Jesus off guard any more than the fists of his captors did. There are times we can see how injustice fits into what Jesus is bringing about. More often, we can't. As the injustices of this world crash over us like waves, we have to trust that Jesus is still overcoming, even when we can't see it. A strong faith is not a faith that is never challenged. A strong faith is one that trusts Jesus will overcome the challenges of this world just as he overcame the cross. Jesus was able to approach his own execution with calm resolve because he knew that there was more to the story. He is not any more out of control in our current trials than he was leading up to the cross. We need not fear either. Lamenting the injustice of this world is completely reasonable. Crying out to God for relief, that's something we should be doing. In our cries, we must remember that Jesus is still Lord. Jesus was the Son of God as he got hit in the face while blindfolded. He is the Son of God today as he reigns from on high. Let's pray. Dear Lord, it is so... Tempting and easy to respond to the challenges we face in this world, not with faith, but with fear. And out of that fear are the actions that are produced, are actions that are self-serving and, and self-seeking. We we turn to our to our votes or to our bank accounts or to our relationships, Lord, and none of those things can overcome injustice. None of those things can take care of our fear, Lord. I pray that we would turn to you in faith as our Lord, even as we cry out, even as we grieve the injustices of this world, Lord, that we would trust that you are Lord, that that has not changed. I ask that you would be with us in the challenges that we face, whatever injustice is, great or small. And I pray that you would use us to to bring about justice in the world, to point people to your truth and to your lordship, Lord. ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.